White House national security official said a potential Russian space weapon presents no immediate threat to the American public. But what exactly is the threat? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. We've been closely monitoring this Russian activity and we will continue to take it very seriously. President Biden has been kept fully informed and regularly informed by his national security team, including today. And the VA works through issues between its electronic health records and prescriptions. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is Friday, February 16th, 2024. Hey, listeners, just a couple items at the top of the podcast. We are off on Monday for President's Day, but be sure to hop on Tuesday for our regular episode and a special episode. Defense News reporter Jed Judson and CSIS analyst Tom Carrico are going to be talking about the latest in missile defense news. First up, White House officials yesterday downplayed reports about a, quote, serious national security threat being discussed in classified meetings. They said the matter does not pose any immediate danger to the American public. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner on Wednesday released a statement about a national security threat, and he also urged President Joe Biden to declassify the details of the threat as soon as possible. The news spurred alarm and confusion among lawmakers, and the Associated Press reported the threat focused on intelligence of a Russian anti-satellite weapon currently under development. White House National Security Communications Advisor John Kirby partially confirmed those reports yesterday, but he declined to give specifics on the weapon. Kirby said the weapon would be based in space, but was not currently in orbit. I can confirm that it is related to an anti-satellite capability that Russia is developing. I want to be clear about a couple of things right off the bat. First, this is not an active capability that's been deployed. And though Russia's pursuit of this particular capability is troubling, there is no immediate threat to anyone's safety. We are not talking about a weapon that can be used to attack human beings or cause physical destruction here on Earth. Several members of Congress were scheduled to receive a briefing on Thursday, and Kirby said there is no need for an immediate international response. We are still analyzing the information that's available to that. I would not speak definitively about our, our strategic deterrent capabilities one way or the other. We just don't, we don't talk about that publicly. But we're taking this potential threat very, very seriously, and we are examining what the, the, the best next steps are and what our options might be. Kirby said U.S. officials are in contact with Russian representatives about their concerns. Relations between the two countries have been strained by American support for Ukraine since Russia's invasion two years ago. Another important story, a government watchdog report shows that thousands of veterans are at risk due to new errors found in the VA's new electronic health record system. To break this all down for us, Capitol Hill Bureau Chief Leo Shane III joins the episode. So, Leo, could you describe the scope and the breadth of this problem regarding VA health records and prescriptions for vets? Yeah, look, this is just the latest uh, series of problems for the VA's electronic health records system. Um, They've been trying to modernize the record system for about five years now, six years, uh, getting on the same system as the Defense Department. uh, But they keep running into setbacks and problems with with actually implementing it. It's only in five sites. um, And last spring, um, all work was halted because of concerns about patient safety. There were reports that 
Records were being lost. Doctors' appointments were being confused. Appointments were being messed up. And now we're hearing from the VA Inspector General's office that they've found even more problems with uh, with pharmacy services, that if uh, veterans get a, a medication filled at a site that's not on the new system, that's not always updated in the new system, and there's potential for veterans not to have their medication history accurately recorded across the two different systems that the VA is using right now. The upshot is there's up to 250,000 veterans who uh, are in these these five sites and are using these five sites who may have uh, medication problems, not so much ordering, but doctors might not see what they're on right now, what complications, what side effects they might have, and they could potentially um, prescribe them medications that conflict with other ones. So real serious health issues that lawmakers said are, are, are frightening to hear. And what are policymakers saying will be the solution to this problem? Yeah, so VA is saying that they they are going to fix this. Um, they are working with Oracle Cerner, and they they're pushing out uh, another software patch that should be out in the next few days. They're uh, they're having a couple of problems getting that out, but they're optimistic that this can be solved. But there's a, a growing number of lawmakers who are just frustrated with this whole program. They say, look, you've got the old Vista system. Yes, it's outdated. Yes, it's not modern, but at least it's reliable. This new system, for all of its promise, for everything that that could happen with getting it on the DoD record system and having that sharing, it just doesn't seem to be working. Um, so we're starting to hear more and more voices from Capitol Hill saying they, they want to dump this system. The problem is there's already $9 billion in sunk costs here. It's a $16 billion project. It was supposed to be done over 10 years. If DOD and if VA walks away from this now, um, you know, that's a, that's a gigantic loss of money and investment, and it still leaves them with a, a pretty old record system that while it's liked by some employees, everyone seems to acknowledge that it can't last forever without other major upgrades. So uh, it really becomes a, a gigantic money problem for VA going forward. Also on your radar for today, Navy Secretary Carlos del Toro had some pretty direct words for industry leaders at the West Conference in San Diego yesterday. For more on this, C4ISR net reporter Colin Demarest comes to you live from the West Conference. So Colin, you reported that Secretary del Toro had some pretty frank comments about industry and the use of American taxpayer dollars. Just what did he highlight in his speech? Secretary Carlos del Toro told defense contractors in the audience they need to prioritize their weapons delivery and their industrial base investments over shareholders making more money, um, you know, maneuvering on the stock market and, and giving kind of fatter bonuses to executives. It was a bit of a, a bit of a broadside. It was definitely a very frank, honest message. And it was also a bit of a break from the typical uh, tone you hear at these sort of defense conferences. Del Toro specifically said that defense contractors can't be asking the American taxpayer to make even greater public investments while you continue, in some cases, to goose your stock prices through stock buybacks, deferring promised capital investments, and other accounting maneuvers. Del Toro didn't specifically single out any one contractor in his speech or, you know, during the show. His remarks weren't booed or anything either. It was it was met with some some head nods and some some quiet listening. Uh, the defense industry in the aggregate is financially healthy, and that status has improved over time, according to a Pentagon contracting study published in April. Major traditional defense firms outperform commercial counterparts in many key financial metrics. Uh, for example, shipbuilder HII this month reported revenue rose 13% to $3.2 billion in the fourth quarter of 2023 from the same period a year earlier, as operating income almost tripled to $312 million. 
And now here's some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. The Department of Veterans Affairs announced this week that it ex exempted or reimbursed more than 143,000 copayments, totaling approximately $2.5 million for more than 3,800 eligible American Indian and Alaska Native veterans. Stars and Stripes reported that a light tactical vehicle with 8 to 10 Marines aboard rolled onto its side in Okinawa, Japan. Submarines suffered potential concussions, back pain, soreness, and dizziness, but none of the injuries were life-threatening. Breaking Defense reported that the Pentagon picked which systems will be fielded under the first tranche of its replicator initiative. And the Space Force is considering requiring prospective guardians to enlist for an initial term of eight years on active duty. It's an effort to build a more stable workforce to span the coming decades. And on this day in history, in 1959, Fidel Castro became the Prime Minister of Cuba after toppling the previous government. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com ebb to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zimone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by the Associated Press, Leo Shane III, and Colin Demarest. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.